morning, everybody. Happy Hump Day and welcome to the News Agenda with me, Fleet Street Fox. And today I'm joined by the Mirror Editor, Alison Phillips. Morning, Alison. Good morning, Susie. Hope you're well. Not too bad. Now, this is the People's Pay-Per-View, so get into the comments, ask us your questions. We'll do our best to answer them for you. Those of you listening later on podcast um, are just going to have to see if your supporters will come and stand in the street and uh, shout abuse at your uh victims as it were now so what have we got for you today well the mirror has splashed on the most criminal ex-president since patrick swayze pulled on a rubber mask and stuck up a bank which is donald trump being indicted on 34 felony counts involving bribes lies and a love child but first we're going to get to that okay um, but first, I want to take you to page seven and a series of articles about the absolute state of criminal justice in this country. Now, I want to go back a bit further first. A few years ago, the laws were changed so that those most affected by a crime could give an victim impact statement to the court before sentencing in order to explain the damage someone had done. It's supposed to be a way of making them feel they had a voice in the proceedings, as well as being a way perhaps of paying tributes or setting the record straight. Last week, the mother of Olivia Pratt called Bell, a nine-year-old who was shot in a, as a bystander in a gangland feud in Liverpool, did exactly that. She told a court how the shooting of her daughter had left her missing her every day, hearing her voice, worrying about the school run, only to have reality sort of snap back and realise she was no longer there. But the man convicted of murdering Olivia, Thomas Cashman, never heard it. He refused to leave his cell and called the whole case a circus. Um, now, Alison, can you explain this to me? Because the Tories have said they're going to drag people out of their cells and make them face this. Why haven't they done it yet? Well, they've said that that's what they're going to do. Uh, also, Dominic Robb, uh, Justice Secretary, has said that that's what he plans to do. But there's been no kind of timeline around whether that's when that will happen. So we don't know for absolutely certain. We believe it may happen sometime before the next election. Um, I, I cannot understand the delay, but more importantly, families who have lost people in terrible murders and other crimes cannot understand the delay. Mm -hmm. um, and, and they're really angry because for people like Olivia's family um, and also for the family of uh, Zara Lena, who um, the, 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 her killer was convicted last summer, he never mm -hmm. went to the dock. So that moment has gone for them. They will never now get that moment to confront those people. Um, and with every passing week that this isn't resolved, there are more families are denied their justice. And I think it's absolutely appalling. They could say today, right, we're going to get moving on this now so that no more families have to suffer. And they haven't. If it was down to me, I would pull them by their hair, kicking and screaming into the dock to make them sit there and make them face up to what they've done. Well, the, interestingly, it's the judges that says in this copy that the judges are the ones who may be blocking it because they don't want that. They think it would disrupt their, you know, the peace and calm of their courts. Yeah. But I'm sure, like, those people, the killers, don't want to sit through the trial, do they? They don't really want to be arrested. They don't really want any of this. But we manage all that other bit. But for some reason, then we kind of take a massive hands-off approach when it gets to the bit where they actually just have to hear what their sentence is. Yeah, it's fair, it'd be fairly easy, I would have thought. What do you think, everybody? Do you think, for example, that if someone refused... You don't have to drag them kicking and screaming, as Alison suggests. She's naturally, obviously, a bit violent. Oh, yeah. what, what you can do is you can easily say, if you don't appear in court for the victim impact statement being read to you, you will get another X percent yeah. on top of your sentence. So that was, I, do think, I do think that's the first thing that you could do. So the argument against that is that some people say... Well, look, with um, Cashman, he's already got 42 years. 
So another five years or 10 years, probably by that point, it's not going to make that much difference. Although I do think it, it, pro it, it probably would on a lot of maybe people that are getting lower um, sentences. Mm. It would be a, a real... But, but there has just got to be... They, they, get, they manage to get these people into the dock every day for the trial. I don't quite understand why they can't get them into the dock for sentencing. No, exactly. Um, and so there's, as you said, there's there's quite a few people who've managed to not turn up for this recently. There's Jordan McSweeney, the man who was convicted of murdering Zara Alina, who was battered to death on her way home. There's um, Koki Selamaj, who um, murdered the schoolteacher Sabina Nessa on her way home, completely unprovoked in southeast yeah. London. Um, there's the stepmom Emma Tustin, who refused to go to court when she was sentenced to life for the murder of Arthur Labinjo Hughes, yeah, who was poor little boy. Yeah. Daniel White, uh, who refused to attend court when he got life with a minimum of 20 years for killing his wife, Angie. Lee Peacock, uh, who got life for killing um, his girlfriend, Sharon Pickles, and another man in Westminster. Anthony Russell didn't appear at Warwick Crown Court to get his whole life order for murdering uh, Nicole McGregor, David Williams, and his mother, Julie Williams, three years ago. Uh, there's the murderer of Leah Ware and Alexandra Morgan in East Sussex. Uh, who didn't go to Hove Crown Court to hear their family's trauma. He'd get 49 years. And Levi Belfield, the murderer mm. of Millie Dowler, the murderer of repeated women in those hammer attacks. And people, mm. some of damaged, a couple of his victims, I think, actually did get away, or one, did manage to get away. And obviously wanted to say the impact that his hammer attacks had had on their lives and for his relatives. He didn't turn up for the sentencing uh, when he got sentenced for Millie Dowler. And it feels to me that this is, um, so the reason that the Mirror's been really strong on this story this week, and we've been campaigning on this now to get it immediately rectified, is because it feels to me that this is a growing thing. I mean, I remember when I used to cover court cases a lot, and it was incredibly rare that people wouldn't turn up for sentencing. And now it feels to me that it's becoming quite common. And this idea that justice is a bit of a take it or leave it thing, oh no, I'm a bit busy today, oh no, I don't quite fancy that, just completely undermines the idea of justice so and we're not necessarily like a real hang em and flog em, uh you know news brand at all in fact actually i completely believe that you know there's always should be the opportunity for um people to, to retribution and uh, sorry restorative justice and all the things for people to, to redeem themselves and to reform however that stuff only works if justice is done properly at the first point, and it is seen to be done. And mm. part of the problem here is justice is not being seen to be done. Yeah, and part of the, the important bit of you know, restoring that sense of justice and things going right as well is to give people the chance to have their say. Well, I think societally as well, at the moment, there is a perception that the, the bad guys are winning mm. and that actually people who work hard... Um, you know, just try and get on with their lives, play by the rules, are somehow being slightly taken for mugs who people who are bending the system, twisting the system, committing acts of crime, acting the bad guys in, in a kind of threatening, menacing. There's that general sense in society. And the, the first way you've got to go about addressing that is like when we've actually found somebody and a court and a jury has found them to be guilty, 
they need to ensure that that person sucks up everything that's coming to them. Yeah, well, that should be part anyway of the, the rehabilitation process. You have to admit what you've done and you have to face the consequences. Yeah. Mike says, Susie's just used my point. Any criminal refusing to face justice should automatically have their sentence lengthened, no matter how much. No doubt these thugs will cause mayhem in court and or laugh at their victims, but they should be shown to face justice. Um, now, there's some on that page, there's some, uh, and Ian agrees with Mike, on that page there's some beautiful pictures not seen before Olivia prancing around at home strutting on a pretend catwalk and, and laughing when she's playing and stuff like that um but as you've said Alison um you know that, that just increasing the sentence might not do it and there's also the possibility I suppose that really they could if they're forced to turn up they can they be forced not to wear headphones can they be forced to actually listen are they just going to stare at the floor you know, we don't we can't force them to comply. And what are the chances of them, you know, claiming some kind of personality disorder which prevents them having to be there or something? They're just going to game the system, I'd have thought. But yeah, well, I think so. But they won't all be able to do that on all those things. And I think um, the interesting thing is you sometimes wonder if it might actually almost be the better thing for uh, the person that's been convicted as well in that. Possibly it's only really by seeing the enormity of what they've done, you know, um, that, that they might actually be able to, to come back from it. I don't know. I just think it's a really, really important point. And what was the point of finally changing the laws? People were able to make victim impact statements if then they're, they're not even being heard by the person who, who, who committed the crime. It just yeah. feels like we've just made things even worse for victims' families. Yeah, um, maybe they could be piped into their cell or something if they're refusing yeah. to leave. I, yeah. I don't doubt someone would say, well, look, being forcing someone to confront this in a perhaps slightly uncontrolled way may sort of, you know, encourage, lead to more suicides or, or some kind of self-harm or other problems. There's ways of doing it, I'm sure, to make it something that people actually... This, never used to be, this did not used to be a problem. This is a growing thing. And the only reason it's growing is because people are seeing other people doing it. And as with all kind of bad behaviour... You just need to clamp down on it and say, no, these are the rules and you are going to obey by the rules just like everybody else. Exactly. Now, what do you think, everybody? Get into the comments, let us know. Um, I assume that most of you are going to be absolutely fine with uh, murderers facing justice and facing the relatives of their victims. But what about anyone on the other side? Do you think this is actually a cruelty? Do you think this is unfair? Do you think it was a political thing perhaps that someone started, a politician, are we going to make people face justice to try and look like they were tough on crime when actually... You know, the, the cutbacks and so on in the justice system were saying we're telling a completely different story. Robin says Cashman is a disrespectful coward and he couldn't face the family. Well, that's why he was shooting guns into people's houses, wasn't it? It wasn't because he was a decent person. Expecting them to act like decent people with consciences would they wouldn't be they wouldn't be in the dock in the first place if they were, would they? Melanie says make them attend the court, extend their sentences. Um, I think we know the way the public are, are sitting on this, but. Maybe there are other solutions. Who knows? But now we need to move on to uh, another story. The main story of the day, really, the one everybody's talking about, which is the arraignment, I suppose is the right word, yesterday. Uh, Donald in the dock. <coughs> Donald Great dock. Headline. Like that. Nice headline. Um, sadly, no good for SEO whatsoever. But uh, and Trump on trial, basically. He appeared in New York yesterday. Uh, he was to face his indictment and enter his pleas on 34 felony counts of which basically amounts to um, bribes, lies, and a love child, which we hadn't previously been aware of, alleged, I should say. Um, now, Alison, these were quite astonishing scenes, weren't they? And there were some sort of astonishing revelations in these charges as well. 
Trump's pleaded not guilty to all of them, but some people are sort of saying that the evidence that was revealed yesterday is a bit weak. It's not seem, there are well, there's not. We haven't seen very much detail yet. So, is that because there isn't very much detail, or is that because um, it's yet to to come our way? So, this is the very early stages. If it ever gets to court, it's not going to be until next year. I think the next court date is not even until December. So there's an awful long way to run on this. And I mean, the things that came out were the payments through a kind of third party to Stormy Daniels, the porn star, also to another woman and also to a door, a doorman who apparently had um, a story that he had an um, Trump had an illegitimate child. So um, and this was all an attempt to sort of hush up these stories in the run up to the 2016 election. So, um, no, there's not a huge amount of detail so far but we'll, I guess, see what happens next. Yeah, it has been through the grand jury process, which means they've yeah. taken evidence from people, they've been able to subpoena documents and things like that. And the sort of fundamentally, they're, they're claiming that um, the way Donald described all this in his company accounts was less than 100% honest, shall we say. Um, yes. And Jason says, does Trump think it's a kangaroo court? There's Melania, not at the court yesterday. In fact, she doesn't seem to have left Mar-a-Lago since they moved no. down there and is very rarely seen with Donald these days. Herbie says, can Trump even say kangaroo? I mean, he clearly not does. Uh, so when he flew back into Florida last night um, and he made his statement, I mean, Clearly, he's just trying to discredit the whole process and say that it's all a politically motivated attack on him, which, of course, as we know how uh, Donald Trump does his campaigning, and that is to uh, sort of fire up his base, all his real big supporters, and to to create this idea that he's sort of somehow badly treated and that he's on the, the wrong end of an establishment plot. And, I mean, really, this just absolutely confirms everything his supporters think, that it's a politically motivated, everybody's out to get Donald. Exactly. But uh, it doesn't really explain how the 23 people on a grand jury are all out to get Donald. Um, unfortunately, the Americans have got this system of electing their district attorneys, which means that you do have people of one party or another party investigating people the same part it's just it's ridiculous i don't know why they do it that way but alan says it's an orchestrated witch hunt the problem with that alan number one is that um witches aren't real donald trump is i think even to the dimmest person that's pretty evident uh, alvin bragg has a record and rap sheet of hating donald trump personally and being on the record as saying he would take him down when he got into office as a district attorney doesn't mean he personally hates it. It may just be that he thinks he's criminal, Alan. That is kind of the job of a district attorney. And if he said that before he got elected, that may be what the people want because they elected him. The whole thing is a clown show. And it's all it's done is strengthen Donald Trump's position for the next election in 2024. And you've got a point there, Alan, because after... Um, yesterday's appearance that before his appearance there were polls showing that most americans 60 percent were saying that um donald trump shouldn't be able to run for office if he is convicted and that uh democrats were very anti everything to do with trump but the only about 25 percent of republicans were supportive of him but polls since his appearance are showing that a majority certainly of republicans are supporting the former ex-president they think that this is a witch hunt. They're believing the stuff that he's saying. I think perhaps having seen that there's not an awful lot of evidence yet, Alison, and not seeing how things have turned out, the first polls are coming back with Republicans going, you know, he's, he is going to be our guy. He's going to be the guy on the ticket for the White House. And like yeah. you said, 
the, the, you know, when um, the next court date, so there's this very slow process goes through. He's going to be on the ticket by then, isn't he? He's going to be. Yeah. I think it all sort of, you know, shows how polarised the United States has become as well in that um, people almost now seem unable to discuss this on the kind of merits or lack of merits of the case. And it's purely, do you like Trump or don't you like Trump? Mm. And um, it's, it's a really... And, and I think, I mean, we're quite fortunate perhaps in this country as well in that we don't have the politicisation of um, the judges and the judiciary that, that we have in the States because, you know, if you've got a case brought against you here, I mean, maybe some people would argue that, but, but it's a pretty much that you don't get politics creeping into how the law is carried out in the same way as you do in the States. And I think that makes it, whatever happens in this case, People have made their minds up already, and it's not even got to court. There exactly. has to be some pretty compelling evidence, I think, to change a lot of those die-hard Republicans that he's he's victim of the witch hunt. Yeah, and it's because I think it comes down to what Alan was saying there, uh, and what Herbie was saying as well that a lot can come between now and December the fourth, the next court date, is mm. that you know it, it may well be that he can convince the Republicans he's their guy, and it's all a witch hunt. But when that actually plays out to the the swing voters across the states to um, the Democrats as well, are there going to be enough people who, on the other side of that, who are going to believe it, who are going to still vote for Trump? Or is they actually going to just drive think, more people to vote the other way? The other issue, I think, amongst a lot of the Republicans is that they may not necessarily, some of them may not necessarily be massive Donald Trump fans, but they're of increasingly of the opinion that he's the only one that can win it for them. And so that's what they're, you know, that's what they're, they're sticking with their man because they think he's the only one that's going to win it. Oh, God, we're all for thought. Now, Dee says, Herbie, watch out. He'll be moving to Mexico over his wall to get away. He never built the wall, Dee. Um, so he says, it's been much easier to go to Mexico, won't it? Now, our US editor, Chris Buxton, says on this piece that there are Republicans who are publicly, like Mitt Romney, people are fairly middle of the road, who are... Um, going out there and saying, oh, we support Trump and this is a witch hunt and this is politically motivated and this case shouldn't be going ahead. But inside, some of these moderate Republicans actually secretly do quite want him to be taken down because it would clean their party up a bit. It would detoxify them for all those middle-of-the-road voters that they've lost. Yeah, although I wouldn't I wouldn't be convinced that that is how it plays out, I, you know, as we've just said. So with each of these things that he's indicted, on there's only like a maximum of four years in jail and he's not really going to go to jail for anything he's going to get a fine which he can more than happily pay more than easily pay um so uh, and uh, there are other court cases brewing which may have more severe consequences for him mm. but this particular case is not the end of donald trump if anything it is perhaps a rather handy trampoline back into the into the white house for him Oh, God, the thought of him on a trampoline. Exactly. Especially with Stormy Daniels talking again overnight <laughs> about him being naked and in his underwear. Yeah. Uh, on his underwear and on a trampoline. Thanks, <laughs> Donald. Thank you, world, for giving us that thought. Robin says, why didn't the Mirror do an investigation into the Bidens? That laptop would be a good starter. I think you'll find, Robin, that all the information about the laptop's pretty much been done, mate. Uh, and the Mirror doesn't do an investigation into that because we like to do stuff that's new. Um, now, each felony count, as we've discussed, carries a maximum four-year sentence. But normally, the things that Donald's accused of are just misdemeanors. They're fairly minor. And they've been escalated to a felony because, uh, apparently, because it's all done with the intent of creating a second subsequent offence, which is campaign finance violations. 
Now, even if he's found guilty of this, Alison, I can see a lot of people here and abroad saying, well, look, who doesn't employ the thesaurus when they are doing their company accounts, when they're filing their expenses, when they're doing an insurance claim, you know, when they want to find perhaps a slightly different word to describe the thing they want to keep a little bit more private, maybe. Mm -hmm. um, and what businessman is 100 percent honest with the tax man or the accountant, especially in America, where there's actually quite a lot of cachet about not paying your taxes. Um, you know, it looks like from the polls, like it's not going to damage him, like you say, at least in the court of public opinion. Um, can he win? Do you think if he if he gets through this? Can he can he win this? Can case? he ever win the White House again? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I think um, I think I think it, clearly there's not really anybody. The, the Republicans I think want him because they think he can win, and I think they're prepared to. I mean, after everything that happened on January the sixth and. I still think there are enough people that think he is the only hope for the Republicans to get back power. And I think he would still give it a good go. So, ooh. Oh, yeah. Um, now, but we've got to bear in mind, he's still facing uh, uh, investigation into vote rigging in Georgia after the last yeah. election, an investigation into the mishandling of government top secret documents, and an investigation into the Capitol Hill riots. And it's worth bearing in mind, Herbie says here, I've just watched his speech on YouTube, a lot of finger pointing and blaming others, fake news yet again. There we can see people storming the Capitol. If this is what happened the first time he had to leave the White House, Alison, if he gets in again, the chances of there being a far more, a far worse insurrection that's not just a disorganised mob. I mean, it would just well, be even worse than before, wouldn't it? Well, I think his whole uh, psychology would be very different this second time as well. Because so his own sort of personal paranoias and fear that everybody's out to get him will be even more heightened because obviously he lost where he feels that the the steel, you know, that was stolen from him after the last election. So you've got that. And also, I think that there would then be a real attempt to put more things in place to prevent him losing power again. I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a brilliant book that was written in the 1930s uh, called um, It Couldn't Happen Here. Yeah, I remember that. When he, yeah, when he first got into power. And it almost could have been written about uh, Donald Trump's rise to power. And, and it's that idea that, well, no, that could happen he couldn't really create his own sort of militia that would prevent this happening or that happening I think we have to be very aware that anything could happen uh, with Donald Trump back in power and I think but we also have to be very aware that there's enough people in America who want that and it's a very real possibility yeah it's a bit sticky. Lazy says, Trump and Boris back in power be like a recurring nightmare. Can voters really be that stupid twice? Lazy, I will direct you to Google for the uh, Daily Mirror front page when George W. Bush got elected. And I think it was Piers Morgan was editor at the time. And it says something like, can 100 million people really be this stupid? And mate, that, that, was, that was the upside, I think, of America's intellectual. But it's why, I think we also have to think about why that many people want Trump back. I mean, a lot of it is, you know, they've been fed lies, misinformation, social media, fake news, all that sort of stuff, which is the irony that that's the phrase that Trump's taken on. But also what it is that they feel he gives them. 
And then I think, you know, other people who are fighting against them, either in the States or here, have to think about how they can improve that offer to those people that feel that Trump's an answer. Exactly. Uh, now, Dee says they've been wanting him being impeached and held reasonable for his actions, uh, held, held to account for his actions and what he has said for ages. One particular moment I thought was messed up when he said about injecting bleach. Seriously, who would do that? I've only done <laughs> perhaps all of our problems would be solved mm. um but of course you know if you've got a president who's an incumbent uh who's not doing terribly well and perhaps doesn't always walk in a completely straight line then people might vote for the other guy mightn't they now well thank you very much everyone for taking part thank you for taking us through that Alison. um we're gonna go with some good news now uh, we'll wrap up with some questions about trump at the end if you've got any more but before we go to the good news we've got some sad news i'm afraid now, as many regular viewers know, there's a little gremlin behind the scenes on this show called Ed, who runs the software that we use for this. Uh, he puts up the slides, he filters the comments, he gets them on the screen. Now, over the past couple of years, he's managed to get this show not only hundreds of thousands of views on Facebook, but also <clears throat> getting on for a million or more, I think, now on YouTube, trending with the likes of BBC and Sky, because he understands the algorithms, and I don't. So it wouldn't matter what I said or did here. If Ed didn't do his bit, no bugger would ever see it. He shot our credits, uh, he did the graphics, he did everything except this speaky bit, which as we all know is very low skilled. So he's been very tolerant of me whenever I've demanded to take the show on the road to the Labour conference. And when I crash in late after getting delayed on the school run, and he's absolute top banana, our Ed, right? Now today I'm afraid is his very last show. Uh, and the last time that he's going to be nursing his baby through this half hour of chaos. So I would just like to say thank you, Ed, for all you've done. It wouldn't be anywhere near the success it is without you. And uh, bon voyage, Cham. Hope you have lots of success in whatever you do next. And that the next producer we get is just half as good as you are, please. Anyway, Ed, please roll good news. There you go. He's still taking instructions, isn't he? Now, this is the one time I'm prepared to let a cat on this show. OK, uh, Rainbow. <laughs> Look at the size of that. Rainbow was 12.7 kilos when she was found by Cats Protection. Her legs were covered in urine burns because she couldn't wash. She could barely walk. She has now been fostered uh, by a new owner, Marie Morley. Uh, she's lost four and a half kilos since March. She can now jump on the settee and cuddle her foster carer. Um, and Alison, I've just got to say, considering the news we've had today, is this proof, do you think, that one way or the other, a pussy will always win in the end? Uh, absolutely. It's such a great story. It's like a big, big, chubby cat. I had all those. And then, and now it's like really healthy and happy. And everyone loves a great cat story. Exactly. And it gives me a chance to say pussy uh, in a piece about Donald Trump. So I'm happy and it gets past that. Facebook. Thank you, everyone, for taking part. Thank you, Ed. Um, thank you all for those who are listening on podcast as well. Until next Monday, we'll have another edition of the News Agenda then. Till then, everyone. Tatty bye. Bye. Bye, bye, bye.